1: Welcome back. Happy Monday. Hope everyone's doing well. I know the holidays are like right around the corner and I don't know about you, but I'm like feeling it. Not feeling like, I mean, I'm loving the holiday movies. I'm loving the, you know, lights up everywhere, the festive feelings. But when it comes down to like feeling inspired day to day, I'm struggling. And maybe you are too. And sometimes when you're struggling in your own thoughts or creativity and your hustle, your bustle and trying to figure out what we're doing in life. It's a great time to hear an incredibly inspiring story. Today, Vivian, who is self described as Oprah, who meeting Gary V like combine those two humans together. That's Vivian K. Vivian K is one of my absolute personal favorite follows. She is a business and empowerment expert. She's a keynote speaker. She's also a TV and podcast personality. She is incredible. And she has so much to teach us, especially about Chad. Who is he? What would he do? And why should we care? Trust me, you're going to want your notebooks out for this one. Let's get into today's show with the one and only Vivian Kay. All right, Vivian, welcome to the show. I was you're one of my favorite follows of 2020. Like you, you and jam and your lives together. Like I started like broadcasting to people that they needed to tune in to what you all were saying. And then since then, I've just learned so much from you through these little squares on Instagram, but you do so much more than that. Let everybody know who you are, what you do, and then let's get into the goods.
0: Well, uh, officially, my name is Vivian Kaye. I am the founder and CEO of Kinky Curly Yaki. It is a premium textured hair extensions brand that I grew from zero to over six million US in sales. I'm also a business empowerment expert. So you'll see me on podcasts and TV and radio and all that good stuff. And you know, I'm also an all around dope lady. I, if I have to say so myself, I'm pretty dope. I'm pretty dope. <laughs> So
1: talk to me about, there's this line and we're going to start here because it's my favorite, but there's this question that you ask people all the time. What, it, what would Chad do? And immediately, I'm so sorry for anybody actually named Chad, if you're not like this, but the Chad is basically a who. What, if you were going to label, we're going to like character, write a story of Chad.
0: Who is Chad? So, I always like to say that Chad isn't an, an actual person. He's not meant to bash men. It's not meant to do anything. But what Chad is, is an energy, it's a mindset, it's a mood. So, what would Chad do is meant to help you to immediately dismiss those self limiting beliefs that pop in your head. So, those thoughts that are like, oh, I can't do this because I don't have enough experience, or, uh, you know, I only have four out of the five qualifications. But Chad, Chad doesn't have any of those qualifications. He's that mediocre guy you know either from your job, here's your in your family, or what you know, that guy you went to school with who's doing all the things he has no business doing. But he does it because he has the audacity, right? And and that's and that's the thing, is like a lot of us, we have the experience, we have the expertise, but our confidence doesn't match it. Whereas Chad doesn't have any of that shit, but he's got the confidence. And that's why he gets the things that he gets. And he does the things that he does because his confidence over overrides his actual expertise. So what is a, what is a
1: kind of an example of like what a Chad would do? I remember one time you were, you were comparing like how we write emails versus how Chad would write an email. And that was the moment that I was like, Oh my gosh, I show up apologetically in my emails even. So what is like maybe even like a subtle example of how we're kind of needing Chad in our lives, how we need to exude the Chad energy in
0: something as simple as an email? Yeah. So we'll use the email example. So in emails, we're always like, you know, say, hi, so this thing is wrong. I just want to double check. Okay. Like exclamation mark emoji. Like we feel the need to soften blows. Whereas Chad would just be like, One, two, three, and ABC. Whereas we're like, oh my god, emoji, exclamation mark, you know, just trying to make sure everybody is okay with us after we've dealt blows. When it's like, why are we doing that? Like, why are we apologetic? Like, why are we apologizing? Why are we, you know, putting in question marks when it should be a period? Right? If you if you know something, it should be a period. So, period, and or even saying no. That's another example. When we say no, it's like well, no. And because here's the excuse as to why I'm saying no. No is a full sentence. You don't have to explain yourself. Just no. Period. I found myself
1: doing this a lot. And I had to like really because you say notice to something and people were like, I just need 15 minutes. Like just give me 15 minutes. And I had to sit down because I was struggling so much with why I felt so violated by that ask of. The first, the word just is always like minimizing to what any of us do in a day. And then the 15 minute was also so difficult because I was like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. If I'm going to actually categorically look at what 15 minutes means in my day, it is a shuffling around of my entire schedule. It's making sure I'm managing feedings, managing my own lifestyle, making sure that I'm ready, I'm prepared, I'm prepped. I've got the capacity emotionally and mentally for that call. And then, you know, can I, is that interrupting our kid's schedule? All of these different like little tiny intricate things of the day. And I'm like, it is not 15 minutes. It is my entire day. And kind of through a lot of your work and a lot of these things you're saying, you start to recognize it's not just about showing up and trying to be a dick about things. It's like actually trying to protect who you are, protect the entity that of yourself and your property. How do we move from no, but... And how do we move from exclamation points every other word in an email to like doing this and and actually putting this into practice?
0: Right. Well, first of all, listen. I put exclamation marks still in my emails.
1: Okay. Right. Thank God. <laughs> there's, and so there's no.
0: So listen. If you if you put exclamation marks, if it's part of your personality, by all means, please do that. But don't feel the need. Don't think that you have. To do that, mm-hmm. right? If mm-hmm. you've got to say no, then it's no, period, not no, you know, frowny face. No, why are you frowning? Just say no, period. Right. Yeah. And if you have to think of it like this, you have to set your own boundaries. It's really all about boundaries. And if people are have a problem with your putting those boundaries up, it's because they were taking advantage of them in the first place, right? And so you have to think of it like that. So you know, you think self-care is all candles and bubble baths. No, it's saying no, it's saying it's it's. It's putting up those boundaries to make sure that people don't take advantage of you, right? And I feel like as women, we're taking advantage of a lot, right? We're made to feel guilty if um, we're not as nice as we should have been. Nice for what? Since when do I have to be nice? Chad can say the same thing and it's like, oh, he's a a go-getter. I say it and I'm a bitch
1: like a hundred percent. This is the way that everyone labels. They're either. I read this article once that talked about women in the workplace and how they were either made to be bitches or mothers and not a whole lot in between. And, you know, like, let's forget like the pay inequalities or all of these different things that are a part of it. And the fact that becoming mother is like some sort of mark on your resume. That's like considered a negative, but for a man, it's considered like, wow, you're a provider. And so like, it's so deep within a lot of these things. And I think it shows up a lot of times in the way we even treat each other, like as women, I think it shows up in a lot of different ways like that. But you you do this, you do this like business empowerment stuff. You're an expert in it. What are some very common things that you would say you see show up in people that is kind of hindering on them actually leveling up in their own careers, in their business and everything when it comes to how they show up and how they kind of like, I don't know, for me, just to give an example from my side, I remember I would never ask for time off when it was regarding my kids. I never wanted to have my motherhood to be part of like my, I didn't, I just didn't want to look like that was bad. And I was like, why did I think that way? And why did I feel that way? And I remembered years earlier, I worked in this one job And they would mark a resume if there were kids, if that was a mother of kids, because they were like, we don't want her taking time off to go pick up her kids from school. So I carried that with me into like who I was. And now I'm like, that was such a negative thing to be bringing forward. And such a, like, I've had to work my way out of being apologetic for who I am as a person, which is partially being a mother. And I've like, I know I work for myself now, but even still that same kind of mentality shows up in so many different ways, but you've worked with so many different women and people. What are some of these common things that people are really struggling with when it comes to finding their value and not feeling so apologetic and kind of like, what would Chad do? What are those questions they're asking themselves about?
0: You know, I think some of the questions that they ask themselves about is, am I, am I even worthy of saying?" whatever it is. Right. Like even let's just say people are like, oh, it's just me. It's just me and my business. It's like, what, what do you mean? Just it's, it's a business they're, Why are you putting that, that word that just in there? Because what you're doing is minimizing yourself and you're minimizing, you know, I think what it is is that they're trying to minimize people's disappointment. And it's like, so why, why, like, why are you minimizing yourself in order to make someone else feel better? Right. Like it's a whole, it's listen, we could, we could go really deep on this, but it's, it's really about making like us women, we are socialized to make men feel better. You know, men are risk takers, right? Like, you know, if you've got, if you've got sons. So it's like, okay, you, you, you know, your son can jump off a, jump off a tree and it's okay. But when the girl does, it's like, no, girl, you got to be okay. You got to be careful because we condition women not to take risks. Right. Um, because we need them to, pro- we need them to procreate, <laughs> right? Because if we started acting and behaving like men, then as you can see, we start having less children uh, and we start, you know, the world doesn't revolve around the men being providers and, and it's, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. But it's it starts with the minimization of your yourself and what you do and what you've been doing and what you've accomplished. And we women, we do it, to ourselves so much. I've talked to so many women who are like, they'll say something like, oh, you know, I just made a million dollars. Girl, you just made it. Are you serious? If a dude made a million dollars, we listen. It'd be on his LinkedIn. Touchdown. Exactly. (laughs) Made a million dollars. He he does a touchdown in high school. We're still hearing about it. And he's in his forties. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You're so right. But we're always like, oh, it's just this, or I didn't, or you, you, they, you were minimizing what we've done, our accomplishments. That's why I always, when I start, when people ask me to introduce myself, my name is Vivian Kay. I'm a founder of this company. I went from zero to over $6 million in sales. So, you know, I know what the fuck I'm talking about, right? And you're going to take me seriously. But if I was just like, yeah, I'm just this company, and I'm just, and what I've learned is if I don't say it, who will? And so that's the same thing you got to think for yourself. If you don't say it, who will? So you've got to say you've got to set those boundaries. You've got to if you want people to respect you, you have to sell, tell them upfront who the fuck you are.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think we have to show ourselves that respect. I've seen yeah. so many women stumble over how to label. I do it all the time. People are like, what do you do? And I'm like. Can't say the word influencer. Can't say the word influencer. I, it, It's going to minimize. It's going to yeah. water down this yeah. entire experience. Right. And so I come out and I'm like, well, I'm a writer. I use all these words that I know will be respected. I'm like, I'm a writer. I'm a speaker. I do this, that, or the other. And, but like the overarching label of what I do is influencer. And this is, I read this statement years ago that talked about any job that a woman has basically created from nothing and, you know, uh, champions in the sense of like, you know, move, move forward with it or whatever will eventually be mocked and yep. minimized by society. And ever yep. since that, I was like, you're right. This was kind of a woman's industry. She kind yep. of birthed this whole thing. And all they, all they'll say is, oh, that's like so dumb. That's so stupid. That's so yep. surface. Like who cares about that? Yep. But I have to know from your story, what brought you to a point of recognition of this stuff? I mean, you have this successful company. Was this something that you've been working on along the way? Is it a lot of self-discovery? You're also a mom. I mean, you've got so much going on and so much you've done, but when did you really start to pick up on the differences and sort of like these gaps that are existing, especially for us who are very much minimizing our movement through this world amongst a bunch of chads who are maximizing their touchdowns?
0: Well, you know, I'm an immigrant, I'm a college dropout, and I'm a single black mother. So I already like all of that's already against me, right? And so when I was building my business, I was literally minding my business and, and, and raising my son. That was it. And it wasn't until I went to and I and of course, I bootstrapped this business. So I literally you guys can't see this, but I have this Rubbermaid bin exactly like this at home. And that's how I started my business. It has drawers. And that's literally how I I started my business. And now I'm sitting in a thousand square foot warehouse. But what happened was I didn't. I didn't know that I'd bootstrapped a business. I just thought it was I started it. I made some money, but I didn't realize how well I was doing because I wasn't paying attention to that. I didn't start the business to make money. I started it to solve my own problem. right. And so it wasn't until I was invited to this event in Montreal, like a startup event in Montreal. And I remember even when I was going, you know, I would go to the I would go to the bank to do these wires. And the bank would always call me up and ask me what I was doing with this money and where it was going. But they never once offered me a loan. They never once offered me capital to help me grow my business. They just wanted to know where the money was going and what I was doing with it. So I went to this uh, this startup event and I saw these two white guys go up to the front and pitch like a solar ant farm and got $100,000 for it. And it wasn't even, it was an idea. It wasn't even something that actually existed. It was just an idea and they got $100,000 for it. Here I was running a million dollar business and couldn't even get a line of credit at the bank. Oh my gosh. Right? And so then from there, it was like, wait a minute. Like, I actually have a viable business. I'm actually making money. The bank sees the money in my bank account. But these guys are walking up there with an idea and they're getting money for it. So then I was like, what would you know I just gotta start doing what would Chad what would Chad do like what would a mediocre white guy in my position do and do that without an and be unapologetic about it because the only way I'm going to get people to respect me and to do the things that I need to do in order to provide a legacy for my child is if I go and get it and if I do the things that I need to do in order to do that, and so sometimes that means eliminating those those negative beliefs that pop up in my head, right that oh, Vivian, you know what? You shouldn't do that because you don't have the qualifications for it. well what the what Vivian, remember those guys that went up there with the hunt and got a hundred k and they didn't even have a working example and they got money, Why can't you get that same money? Uh,
1: no, that's exactly it. But there's also a layer to this that we haven't really talked about yet, which is the perceptions of black women and the perceptions of black women in business. So we can talk about men versus women and equality of all that. and But then we got to break it down to like a white woman versus a black woman and the way that we're even the differences of perception there, the differences of opportunity there. When you speak about this and you talk about this, can you maybe share some of like the really why this is so valuable, especially for black women and for white women to pay attention to a lot of the narratives that are existing around black women, and especially in workplaces or in business.
0: Like you actually mentioned it earlier when you said for, for women, you know, especially, especially just women, period, you're either, you know, bitches or your mothers, you know, something in the workplace where for black women, even more so. Right. So a lot of us Have to be overly friendly because we don't want to see be seen as that angry black woman. Like, look what they did to Michelle Obama, right? They painted her as an as an angry black woman, even though she's educated, she speaks quote unquote professionally and you know articulately. They still they still painted her as an angry black woman, and it's like what you're doing is mistaking passion for anger. Like you know you're just painting it all with the same brush, which is angry anger. So black women, we've been taught to either just stay under the radar, <laughs> right? Just stay under radar. We don't want to kick up dust. We don't want to make any white people mad or we just come out guns blazing, mm. <laughs> right? But then that's a problem too, right? So for us, it's just better to just sort of go under the radar just to not stir up any dust, right? And so for Black women, even more so, and a lot of us, especially in the business space, we're creating businesses that don't exist because we're not being served. Right. And that's women. Period, right. Yeah. We all start. A lot of us start businesses because we don't see what we need in the marketplace. And that's usually because it's men creating these businesses that serve themselves in some form or fashion. Right. Like even like, you know, Sarah Blakely, even if you look at her, she the only reason why she got her business started is because the guy that the, the factory that eventually made her her products, her his daughter said it was a good product. And that's the only reason why they, it got started. It wasn't because he believed in her it was because his daughter said this was a good product and you know oh, he trusted wow. the daughter yeah i didn't even know that part yeah. of that story so and that so that happens that happens a lot and especially for black women in business like i mean i know i got my first loan um it was almost going to get rejected until a black woman intercepted my application because she understood my business and and that's the thing it's like just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not viable Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. You Absolutely. have to be able to think that's the reason why you've got to diversify your network of people. Right. So not only you need to not only do you need to diversify your feed, but you also need to diversify your network of people because the, the difference of opinions or the difference of experiences will make your will make your life much richer.
1: Yeah. And you made a, you made a post once. I, I You can probably think of it off the top of your head. But you, you said something along the lines of one of the best things you can do for me is like name me in, in rooms I'm not in. And let me tell you, I don't know what fucking level of influencing that was. I've said your name Oh. like six times. And I'm not saying that for like, but I mean, you put that thought, that thought there of, if I actually want to advocate, if I believe in what you're doing and I want to make sure that you're continuing to help and see other people. I've brought up your Chad mentality. I've been like, I've I've spoken your name on podcasts. I've, do you know what I mean? Like there is part of it where it's like, we need to, especially as white women recognize that there is this gap there, that there is this, you know, lack of conversations having that in There is also this mentality that does exist. And just to prove your point, I today on TikTok, somebody had written a nasty comment on a TikTok I did regarding nursing (laughs) my baby because that's TikTok for you. It's a
0: problem. Yeah.
1: And they said something, some, some man made a comment and the woman was like, rebutted his comment or rebutted his like what he said. And he goes, men created TikTok. You don't really have like a voice here because men made this platform. So it's kind of up to us. And she said to him, actually, women helped create it too. Check your facts before you speak. This is what he replied. No, they don't. Women can only create problems. Be grateful for men. You wouldn't be talking this much if men didn't give you everything. Real screenshot. I was, like I, I saved it because I was like, I need to remember that this mentality is not only out there, it's perpetuated. It is being spoken in rooms that we're not in. That is what is happening in rooms that we are not having a voice in. So what are we going to do with the voice we do have in the rooms we are in? Maybe that's your platform. Maybe that's in private conversations with people. Maybe it's going to your own boss and having these things. And you mean, I mean, when we talk about the Chad mentality and being more of a Chad, part of me is like, I get it. We are so bad at asking for what we need. Like I need, I need to pace like race. I need a race. Like at the times that we need those things, I shook and cried for three days over coming to my boss about a need in my schedule change because I didn't want to lose my job, but I was in a position where I couldn't afford after school care. So I had worked on and created a plan that I brought to my boss and I was like, I I am so sorry that this is going on. I'm so sorry that I have to ask you this. And he was like, this is no problem. Like, go ahead. Like, you're good to go. And I've watched so many people be like, I, you know what? Our family dynamics changed. I just got to go. I I need to ask for a raise or I need to go find a different job. Like they talk about it like it was nothing. And here I was shaking, crying, stressing for days over this reality. So we have the whole Chad conversation where it's like, yes, we need to recognize where we're kind of in self-betrayal in terms of how we show up, our lack of confidence and the need for empowerment. But then there's also like this deep, rooted issue that's also existing, which is we need to be more of a Chad because we need to make sure that like each other is being better spoken of in this space. And more than that, white women need to be showing up for black women and understanding we need to be bringing those stories forward. We need just be speaking those names, talking these stories, making sure that equal opportunity is being served or that spot is being given, maybe a spot that's potentially been given to us when we had that Chad moment and we're like, I need a raise. And we're like, also, you know, who else needs one or they're doing a great job is this woman right here. When this last year, you have obviously been brought into a lot of conversations around race and diversity and you're like this business empowerment stuff. Has that integrated a lot into your work? in terms of how you've uh, had to maybe navigate that shift?
0: Well, you know, it was interesting because at first I was just, you know, Vivian, the the, the lady that runs a business, right? And then when BLM hit, it became Vivian who runs a business and she's black too. So we need to lean on her for a bunch of things. And, you know, I always, you know, had to communicate that I, listen, I am not technically an activist. I am, I'm, what I'm simply doing is sharing my lived experience and, take it or leave it, but it is what it is. Right. And so I would say, you know, using my voice has helped me. Right. And at first I was afraid because, you know, one of the first things I said was I am tired of walking on white women eggshells. I'm tired of tiptoeing around, um, you know, not wanting to hurt their feelings because I don't want the white tears. Because of course, when the white tears come out, I'm the bad person. Right. But it's like, girl, you know what, you know, (laughs) anyways. (laughs) But, you know, it's so it's been for me, it's sort of been bittersweet because I remember, you know, when I had like 6,000 followers and everyone knew me for the business. And then all of a sudden, everyone started diversifying their feeds. And it was like, okay, so now I'm the black lady that everyone's relying on to help them navigate through this thing. And it's like, but I was here before that. And even all the opportunities that started to pop up and it was like, but I was I was here. Like, I've always been here. I've always been here but now that everyone needs to, you know, look diverse. Okay. So cool. Um, now I'm now the seasoning and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being the seasoning because I always, I always say that, you know, I'm not a role model. So people are like, Oh, how do you, how do you feel being a role model or a mentor? I'm not that I, I'm what I call a possibility model. So I'm showing people, women in particular, women of color in particular, and black women specifically, what is possible. OK, so I, you know, earlier this year, I was in a Porsche with, uh, you know, leopard print boots, long, kinky hair and nails. And, you know, and I was like, well, how did that even happen, girl? I don't know. But I'm here and I'm showing I'm showing what's possible being yourself and being your, authentic to who you are. So if there's one thing I haven't been, I've always been Vivian. So I'm not about to I'm I'm about to be 44. I am way too old to be faking it. <laughs>
1: Sounds exhausting. It is exhausting, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. You've all heard me talk about it before, but I can't help it. You guys have got to get your hands on the water bottle that everybody is talking about, including me, the hydro jug. It's seriously one of my favorite items. They're durable, they're reusable, they hold half a gallon of water, so you stay hydrated all day long. And listen, in the winter, this is a time where we really need to focus on our hydration. Not only are we just needing it for our skin, but we need it for so much more. And like I said, HydroJug holds half a gallon of water, so you're gonna hydrate more and refill less. Has this incredible leak-proof seal, so your water stays in the bottle and off your clothes has a wide mouth opening, makes it easy to add fruit or ice. I'm somebody who loves ice water. It's the only way I'll drink it. And it has this really great integrated handle, which makes it super easy to carry and drink. And all of their products are BPA free because sustainability is important. But I got to be honest with you all. It's one of my top things that I own. It's one of my favorite things to gift because it actually gets used. Do you know how many times I've gotten water bottles that just end up sitting in a cupboard that's not so reusable if it's just sitting around. So HydroJug has been the game changer in our family. And they have three different HydroJugs that you can hydrate with. They're pro HydroJug, stainless or glass. And I'm telling you in our family, everyone is different to what they like. Personally, I'm a fan of the glass one. Everyone has their preferences, but they are absolutely incredible and a straw like no other. But if you're not a fan of a straw, you can remove it and use it to pour or drink from seamlessly. Right now, Hydrojug is offering us ten percent off your order today. Visit thehydrojug.com and use my discount code Papaya. You can get ten percent off your order. And Hydrojugs—they're game changers for anyone on the go. So think about those people on your list that this is really going to make them excited about. Again, use code Papaya at thehydrojug.com to get ten percent off today and start hydrating. I just also have to mention this: if you go to their Instagram page you will be shocked at how you can fall in love and have strong opinions on pretty, gorgeous, aesthetically pleasing water bottles. I've gone down the whole thing. I'm so in love with all of them. I have about six different variations of water jugs and sleeves that we rotate in our family. Absolutely such a fan. Go and check them out. And please enjoy the rest of the show. Hey girl, hey, welcome to Taste of Taylor, my weekly podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Strecker. You might know me from Sirius XM Radio. I mean, I was there for like 12 years after all. But then Howard Stern allegedly got jealous of me, so I had to leave. I was actually able to pull myself up by the bootstraps and start my own podcast, Taste of Taylor, which is now officially with Dear Media. I'm so excited to say that. Ha! Ha! So I promise you in this podcast, you're going to either learn about something, you're going to be inspired by someone that's like always coming from a perspective of like humor, then this is the place for you. I hope you enjoy this little snack. No, but I've, I've watched you kind of navigate these conversations and I think it was at a time that it truly was important important in the sense of being a white woman, we had to shut up. Like it was a time not to speak. And that was for its best cause. And I'm somebody who doesn't shut up. And that was such a great, I mean, just even learning through some of those discomforts and stuff, but also just like understanding the lived experiences and those differences, because I think we often move through social media. Even when we talk about business, it's all about how will I, how can I, what's going to change for me and bringing it into a much different experience. I mean, I remember listening to one live where you talked about, being at an experience of an event that was filled with white women and understanding the difference of how that felt, why that was a negative experience that would have gone completely over my head. So you have shown up in these new ways and maybe not in, in an activist way, but in these lived experience ways. And I get what you're saying when it comes to being a possibility model versus a role model, because role model sounds like that sounds like a lot of responsibility. Like Mm, you're somehow, yeah, no, right. Like that sounds like a lot. So I love that you speak on being a possibility model. Cause let's also bring in the fact that you were a single mother. Talk to me about how you've navigated. How old was your son when your business started? Or did he come afterwards? Like where was that timeline?
0: Um, so I started the business in December 2012, in June of 2013, found out I was pregnant. And then I had him in March of 2014. And it was so all he knows is mommy being an entrepreneur, right? And so for me, you know, I had to overcome a lot of obstacles in order to get to where I am today. So not only did I am I a single mother, I run a million a multi-million dollar business, but I also suffered through depression. And if you if you look up success in the dictionary, you would not see someone that looks like me who's had, you know, the same experiences and lived experiences as I have. I want to say that I you know, being doing what I do, I don't do it for me, but I do it for all the the, the women out there who feel like they can't and, and, and what that could mean, that could mean the women who don't feel like they could get out of bed, the women who feel like they have to stay in a dead end job because, or a dead end relationship because of the kids, like, and not to say that what I've done is easy. And I'm by no means saying what I've done is easy, but it is possible. And that's what I do. You know, I show the ups and downs and arounds and arounds. I share my wins. I share my losses. I think I keep it real and i think that's what resonates with a lot of people is that not only am i successful but i still go to dollarama and you know, i still <laughs> you know i'm still i'm still be very relatable about things yeah right <laughs>
1: <laughs> 100% and you know when i went through a divorce one of my biggest fears was that label of being a single mom or like how that looked and those perceptions and while that was like a season of life I realized so much about single moms and that whole, like, I just have never been more to be honest. When I got married, I was a little sad because I was like, gosh, there was this part of me that just fell in love with the grit of what it meant to be a single mother. When you relied on nobody's income, but your own, that you truly had to like make ends meet by any means possible that it had to happen and just i think moving through life being like i don't know how tomorrow is going to happen i don't know how i'm going to do that thing and then you just keep going you just keep doing it and i back to like kind of the pay quality thing i remember the whole conversation around you know, that inequality between like mothers and fathers in the workplace and not even being about men versus women, but mothers versus fathers. And then I went on kind of obsessively into diving into the mothers themselves and their their pay and their performance and all this stuff. And, and one thing I learned, and I wish I could find this article again, but essentially they had done a study and they said that single mothers were the best workers that you could hire. They were the best because they had everything to lose and they wanted to make, they, it, it wasn't about Clout in a job. It wasn't about all these like career highs that maybe a lot of people. It was like, no, this is survival, and this is like, this is our children. This is so much more than that. This is our housing, and I'll never forget that that single mothers are potentially the best workers that are out in the world, and yet they are in a way. Maybe it's just still perception that I have carried, but just that idea that single mothers are somehow, you know, uh, a risk, a risk in business and to know that they're actually take the least amount of vacation days. They're the hardest working. They're the, like the best at actually performance. I was, I, I, this study just blew my mind. Would you agree with that? That, you know, being a single mother has actually lended itself in a way to you in business, not only from, you know, you're seen as like a, you've done all this and you've made it possible. Like you were a possibility model, but also Did single motherhood change you in the way that you moved through business a little bit as well?
0: Absolutely. You know, they say two of the loneliest things you could do is motherhood and entrepreneurship. (laughs) Right. Oh my
1: gosh. I've not heard that, but I, yeah.
0: I could have made that up, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but yeah, I always say that my business wouldn't, I don't think it would have gotten to the point where it, where it has, if it wasn't for me being a mother or being a single mother on top of that, because I didn't have a choice. I had to, I had this had to succeed because if I don't do this, then how are we going to eat? And so I always say, and you know, with people who are starting businesses and especially women, I always say, you need to have a why. Money can't be your why because money comes and goes. It's going to be, you know, whatever the case may be, but you have to have a why. My son's name is Xavier, and I always say that X is my why. So oh my gosh, whenever, that's smart. I know I even got a tattoo. <laughs> really? Oh that
1: oh. yeah. That's yeah. so oh my gosh, that's so good.
0: And so whenever I, I start to feel really down and and think, you know, think what am I doing? And you know, those those self-limiting beliefs, I think either what would Chad do, and X is my Y. I need him to see that his mother didn't lay down and die. Mm. Because I could have easily done that. I could have easily done that. I still could. But I need him to see that, that resiliency that, you know, entrepreneurs are known for. But, you know, sometimes you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them too, right? So don't, uh, that's a whole other conversation. It is. And um, we see it on
1: Shark Tank and Dragon's Den all the time where they talk about, they put everything into it. They put their life savings, they put their house on a lane. It's like, it's not, success isn't, can't be in those things. You're right. It is in that like knowledge of like when to kind of push forward and when to kind of, step back and like the, I I mean, you've talked so much even on your page about failure, right? And and what that looks like. You had this one quote that said, failure is never as painful as regret. Now, when you talk about that, what do you what do you
0: really mean? So I know a lot of people don't get started because they're afraid of failing. They're afraid of what people think. They're afraid of looking dumb. They're afraid of all that stuff. But I always say, you know, two things I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of regret and I'm afraid of being mediocre. Right. So to me, it's like I would rather go down looking like a damn fool. At least I know that if I was to go tomorrow, that I've done my best. Right. And so and I will say I I know God did not put me on this earth to be mediocre. So I'm going to do whatever I can in order to be the best person that I can be. So whether you think that's foolish, that's none of my damn business.
1: I'm personally a little bit picky when it comes to cosmetics because I want to make sure that these products, that they're clean, that they're high performance and that my skin actually loves them. So that's why today you're going to hear me talk about Thrive Cosmetics. And when I say cosmetics, I'm sure you spelt it out in your head as C-O-S, but it's actually cause C-A-U-S-E, meaning they have beauty with a cause. Thrive Cosmetics has a bold mission that is truly bigger than beauty. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates to help women thrive. Whether they're emerging from homelessness, surviving domestic abuse, or fighting cancer, and so much more, Thrive Cosmetics is just doing the dang things. They also never test on animals, 100% vegan and cruelty free and they're formulated without parabens, sulfates, and phthalates. And like I said, I love things that are clean, high performance, and skin loving. And their clinically proven formulas not only highlight your best features, they actually improve your skin over time. Right now, they have a variety of sets available this holiday season, which are perfect for gifting or for treating yourself. I personally am a huge fan of their brilliant eye brightener, as well as their eyeshadows. Their eyeshadows are just so perfectly pigmented. They go on like a butter. I love them. It is one of those things that I put on and immediately three people that day were like, what did you do differently? That's how much of an impact they had in my look. So yeah, I love Thrive Cosmetics. Their products are incredible and I love their bigger than beauty mission. It's really inspiring. And right now I want you to love them as much as I do. So you can visit Thrivecosmetics.com slash papaya for 15% off your first order. This is an exclusive offer you can only get here. And that's Thrive Cosmetics. That's C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash papaya for 15% off your first order. One more time, Thrivecosmetics.com slash papaya. You know, I love on your profile. I have to ask you this question. You call yourself <laughs> if Oprah plus Gary V were an equation, that equals Vivian K. That equals me. What about Ray. Oprah and what about Gary? What about those two made you feel like this is this is who I am encompassed in in these personalities?
0: These well, equal? you know, we all know, well, maybe we don't know, but we all know Oprah. And she's just been, you know, if you know her backstory, she was a woman that they counted out, you know. And she just kept going and going and eventually built the empire that is Oprah worth, you know, billions with a B. And it all started by her just being who she was. Right. And then there's Gary Vee, who's, you know, this entrepreneur guy who is just very blunt. He's very, so, blunt. very blunt. And so I like to say, I keep it real. Like I just, I keep it 100. I'm not about to sugarcoat anything for anybody. And so I'm just sort of like a remix, like a uh, 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 remix <laughs> remix of two. And it's funny because when I first said it to someone, they were like, yes, yes, that's it. That makes total sense. And so I'm like, well, if that makes sense, that's the, because, you know, it's like you with the influencer thing, because I don't want to say I'm an influencer because I'm not. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur who happens to be a content creator as well, right? And, but I'm so many things like I'm multi, I'm multidimensional, but I find that saying that helps people, Like you know, people always want to put you in a box, right? They want to figure out exactly what it is that you can, what you do so they can put you in a box. So when I say Oprah meets Gary Vee, it's like, okay, boom, I can put her in that box. It makes sense.
1: It does make sense. And you do show up in, in that way. You are, you know, the, the successful woman and leader that we see in an Oprah. And then you're also the Gary Vee. You're giving it bluntly to those who don't know how to think bluntly. I think for, there's people like me who, struggles with, well, what is my opinion? And what do I think? And how do I figure
0: this out? I don't think you struggle with it. I don't think you struggle with it
1: at all. I have to, I have to work my way through. If somebody, if you literally, if we were playing devil's advocate, I would believe both of our sides at this simultaneously. And then I would have to like step away and take a few days to figure out what it was that I actually thought and and believe because there's the people pleasing part of me, which I had no idea until I heard her on a podcast that Oprah also deals with people pleasing. That blew my mind. That blew my mind that someone of that level could deal with people pleasing. But I mean, it I think what I like about how you're teaching is it really is making I think it's helped me, I'll speak from my own experience, it's helped me be self-aware into the ways that I am watering myself down, where I am giving these longer sentence replies, giving so much time and energy to being well-liked or well-perceived versus actually protecting me as a person versus actually showing up authentically as myself. Even when it's like a simple as giving a very like soft opinion and, and having to like hold your own with it. I can say, I really loved this movie. I really didn't love this movie. And there will be thousands of replies telling me why I was wrong to think that. And you kind of have to have this, like, that's okay that we're, and, and that's on a very simple thing, but it really does start to permeate through other parts of your life. It permeates into your business, the way you move through things. If I don't have reminders of like that, I'm going to be pushed around by brands. I'm going to be pushed around by team members. It's, it's not just the conversations we're having are not just about being an entrepreneur. They're not just for people who are leading in business. There's so, there's so many more layers to that. So you actually, you do this as a business empowerment expert. What does that look like? How do you show up and kind of teach in these different ways? Are there ways that people can actually get involved in that or learn from you?
0: Well, you know, I started out doing the whole coaching thing. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not a, I'm not a fan. (laughs) Oh, I, I, so I enjoy like not for me. Yeah. It's not for me. It's like, because I wasn't, I, I didn't want to sell me. Like, I, like, I, I know it sounds weird, but it's like, What I know is not rocket science and I'm not about to put a dollar value on it to you, the person who's trying to start up an Etsy store in order for you to be successful. Girl, I want to be able to give that information for free. So now what I do is I work, I call, I say I'm the bridge. I'm the bridge between the corporations and small business. So I do things like I host a podcast. So I host a podcast called Business Class, Built It Braver, brought to you by American Express. Right. Wow. So yeah, so I, so yeah, so I, I host that. I'm also the entrepreneur expert on CityLine. So not only do I show up on CityLine, but they also gave me a digital series on their YouTube channel called Side Hustle and Bustle. So I give advice on how to get started on your side hustle. So, and I really, and I really enjoy doing that, but I found, I found that coaching just made it impersonal. It made it a transactional. It just made it, I just wasn't enjoying it, but I love doing this, this larger scale stuff because one, I get to really have, I get to really be in me. I get to really be me, right. And show my personality. What I love is that they're all encouraging it, <laughs> right. And then of course I use Instagram. Instagram is my jam. I am an absolute pleasure to follow on Instagrams. So yeah, I show up, I show up where I, I feel most comfortable. Um, and that's on, you know, on podcasts in your ears and in video I I absolutely enjoy it. I enjoy giving women the confidence to show up as themselves in business, as mothers, as, as women, period human beings. You know, I really enjoy doing that. And, you know, I, I can't wait to do more of it. Like you're going to see me all over. I You're going to see me all.
1: Oh, over. I 100% believe that. Like <laughs> without a doubt, like there's no way that's not happening. Like, it's just, I'm so excited that you're on my podcast now so that like years from now I can be like, oh, she was on my <laughs> podcast and I'm going to drop that link like 40 million times. I totally get it. As a parent, there's nothing you care about more than making sure your kid has support as they learn and thrive. And even within the best schools, sometimes gaps happen. Your child might not be getting that one-to-one teaching that they need to reach their full potential. And in a classroom with dozens of kids, that makes total sense. At Baiju's Future School, students receive personalized attention and world class learning experience completely online. This helps supplement their in person school education. It has small groups and one on one learning. Baiju's Future School is committed to helping students become creators and shift from passive to active learning while building schools they'll actually use for the rest of their lives. Baiju's Future School is the leading online learning platform, revolutionizing education for millions of students worldwide. Students receive personalized attention with live access to a teacher in one-on-one or one-to-four setting. And they'll have fun learning and exploring subjects with an interactive activity-based curriculum that inspires their creativity and sparks a lifelong love of learning. Baiju's future school currently offers coding and music courses as well for grades one to 12 and math courses for grades one to eight. And you can keep an eye out because more subjects are launching before you know it. Baiju's math and music courses, they help build a foundation of knowledge and self-confidence. And with Baiju's coding course, students explore the fundamentals of coding through their favorite games like Roblox and Minecraft. So they're going to have fun learning about technology that makes modern games, apps, and cryptocurrencies possible. Join the millions of parents who want better learning experience for their children by visiting Baiju's.com slash US to get your first class free plus a twenty-five dollar gift card for Roblox, one of the hottest online gaming platforms in the world. That's by slash US. Let's get back to today's show. No, but what, even what you said right now, and I just have to, I just have to pause on it when you said like I was doing the coaching thing and it just wasn't for me, the fact that you even spoke that and like brought up that you tried something and then it wasn't for you. I've noticed so many times people like they're, they try podcasting or they try a certain thing or they start. And then there's like radio silence in the fact that it didn't, there's so much shame in changing or navigating it differently or looking at it and be like, it actually wasn't for me. And so I'm like, not going to do that anymore. The fact that you even like brought that up and you're like, yeah, it wasn't for me changed it. Now I'm doing this. It just really, it just shows the layers of, you know, how you show up really with the audacity to be exactly who you are and have success in that. You know, you, you are this possibility role model for so many, and you speak so well on so many different topics. I've learned so, so much from you. You just shared a bunch of different things. I am going to put those in the podcast notes as well, but where would you love for people to find you? Where do you want them to kind of get that taste of the Oprah, the Gary V, the Vivian K?
0: <laughs> well, Instagram, like I said, Instagram is my jam. So you can find me at it's Vivian K. So I T S V I V I A N K A Y E. You know, it's me when you see a black lady with a crown and balloons and boobs, that's me. <laughs> you can't change your profile picture
1: like ever now. It's just a
0: beautiful one. It's beautiful. Oh my Yeah, And you know what? And, and, and same thing. Like if you, if you're looking to support me, say my name in rooms Mm -hmm. that I'm not in. If -hmm. you see opportunities that you think, you know what, this lady I follow on Instagram would be perfect for say, just say my name. It's, and, and that goes for anybody. And I do the same thing. You know, I think we women need to, you know, we're, I don't know why we've been pitted up against each other, but we are all unique in our own ways. And I think we all bring different value to different things. And so, you know, say people's names and it doesn't, you know, we can't say, you know, try and say different people's names because we can't keep seeing the same people all the time. Right. But say my name. That's how you can help me. You can like my YouTube videos, make comments or follow me or leave a review on Apple for the podcast. Like all the success that I've had in the past year over the past 20 months, which, you know, wouldn't have typically come, have come because people have said my name somewhere. So. And I thank you all. And I thank you, Sarah.
1: Uh, Honestly, it just looks good on me. Are you kidding me? When people come back and they're like, oh, my gosh, I I was like (laughs) "That was the best thing ever when I'm like, you need to watch this woman's lives. And then people are like, that was the best hour I spent. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. I will take credit for giving you that recommend. It is good for us. It is good as women. It is good for us on our on our, you know, mark through this world, when we give good recommendations for people yep. who might just level up their lives or someone else they know, it is not, I know we've, it's so ingrained in us to be in competition. It's so ingrained in us that, you know, we live in a, in a world where there's only one seat at the table for women. There's not, there's a door and we can Girl, hold we can it make open. A table. <laughs> we can make a table. Yeah. Uh, there's so much more to it. And I love that you, you teach that, you lead that. And you live it by example. So, thank you so much for coming on. It has been such a joy to talk to you. And uh, for everyone listening, like I said, I'll have everything in the show notes. This is the tip of the iceberg. This is like a little seed of stuff. And I knew I was going to be scattered in this episode because I'm like, there's just so much I there. So, so, so much there. So please, for everyone listening, go check out Vivian K. and find her on Instagram. Listen to her podcast. Do all the things. And uh, we will see you back next week.